Well, good to see you today on Father's Day. Glad that you're here to join us. And uh, because it is Father's Day, we uh, want to start with something fun. And at the end of the service, I'm going to do something with fathers. But uh, early on, I want to give a gift to a select few fathers. We, we don't have the ability right now to do this for everyone. So I'm just going to have to choose, but you're going to have to help me choose. I'm going to need four dads uh, to come up here. I've got a gift for you, but unlike salvation from Jesus, you're going to have to earn this gift. And uh, so um, it might involve singing. Uh, But anyway, the gift is great. So I've got Vanna 1 and Vanna 2 to bring me up the uh, gifts. Come on up here. Let's put them here to in entice. I need four dads who are willing to uh, earn the content of this cooler and everything that's in it. It's going to take a little work. It won't take much time. Uh, Do I have four? You know what? In my mind, I was like, this guy's going to do it. Someone's raising a hand for him. I got three right there. I need one more. I see you pointing fingers, but I want to see a dad actually raise his own hand or... Okay, one, two, three. One more. Travis. Okay, come on. Let's give it up for these four guys. Happy Father's Day. Mike Ransom, Dylan Ferguson, Rod Bainey, Travis Grins. Glad that you're here today. I'm going to give you a gift. I'm just going to ask you to earn it. Your choices to earn it are, one, sing for us. Where's that microphone, Chris? Next. Right underneath you. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Uh, either sing a quick little uh, portion of, do you want to build a snowman? Okay. <laughs> or, well, we'll just see if we have any takers on that first. <laughs> You want to know what's behind door number two? Not yet. All right. Are you ready, Rod? Do yeah. Have nobody else going to be ready? Okay. Can we do a duet? Can we do a duet? Oh yeah, harmonize and I don't. Do Do you want to build a snowman? Do you want to run away? Uh, Keep going. The rest of something. We used to be best buddies. But now we're not. What am I gonna do? That's do enough. I mean, we're done. We're done. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, now, Travis, Mike, you have a choice of singing the same song, or if you would be willing to tell us one great aspect of being a dad, you could do that. <laughs> You're like, man. Travis, you want to sing or tell us one great aspect about being a dad? Okay. Well, I have seven kids, so um, I have uh, seven aspects of being a dad. Um, just coming home from work or school, just to see them is great. So Great. Good. Thanks, Travis. And Mike, great aspect of being a dad. I think the best aspect of being a dad is being a granddad, because then you get mm. a chance to do it over and do it right. <laughs> Maybe. All right, thanks. Do it over and do it right. Thank you. 
All right, here, grab your gift, grab your gift. They're, uh, I think they're all the same. I haven't looked in all of them, but take a quick sneak peek. Show off what you got here. Hopefully we won't envy that because I'm going to talk about envy today. They are super glued shut. What do you got there? Nice. Enjoy that steak today. All right. Let's give them one more round of applause. Thanks, guys. They are going to be doing some barbecuing. So on behalf of our men's ministry, thanks, guys. And for sharing and singing. I didn't know if we would get a singer. That was pretty cool. Uh, pretty bad too, but. <laughs> oh, could have been worse if you would have sung. Okay. Well, uh, this week before we get into the message here, I, I want to say this. We've been talking about wisdom for the last six weeks or so, and, and Pastor Mike and I got a chance to get out of the office for a couple days uh, with some other guys and go up to Washington for a bit, and uh, when we came back Friday morning, we came back to a very cluttered and um, trashed offices. And uh, thanks to those who were stayed behind, and uh, they just filled our offices with these little cards and just kind of taped them and put them everywhere. And even this morning, as I was opening this Bible, I found one embedded in the back of this Bible here, but there are little tidbits of wisdom, and I thought I would share some of those with you and rat some of you out who uh, did these. Uh, let's see, oh, was that uh, the last one? Uh, oh, these got out of order a little bit here. Uh, okay, here, there we go, this is what I want. Okay, uh, starting with Robin, who's been working in the office, she says this, wise is the man who is discerning about with whom he leaves his keys. (laughs) And so, yes, we found that out. Uh, Then we started finding cards like this. Chris says this, To be wise, one must have wisdom. Mm. That's deep, buddy. Oh, yeah, I want to save that one a little bit, too. Uh, Leah said this, Everything happens for a reason. Sometimes the reason is that you make bad decisions. (laughs) Keep that one. Now this one said, if you say gullible slowly, it sounds like oranges. Mm, Try that. Oh, Bethany, thank you for that one. Some of you will get that in about ten minutes. And if you... Say gullible slowly, it sounds like. Okay, Dylan said this, Pigs are extraordinary animals. You can feed a pig an apple, essentially garbage, and it still makes bacon. (laughs) What a great animal. Uh, Katie says this, You don't notice the air until someone spoils it. (laughs) Thank you. Trying not to take any of these personally. Uh, Bethany did say this. You can't make everybody happy. You are not a jar of Nutella. (laughs) Good one. And then Robin will finish with this one. Blessed is a man who works with hilarious people. And I would agree. I would agree. So thanks to our goofy staff. Well, we're going to continue with some wisdom from the Bible. 
And uh, wisdom for the path of life is what we've been calling this. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. And if you're using this Bible sitting in front of you, we're going to be on page 544 today. Page 544 as we look at this. And as we're going to see in this chapter specifically, these words of wisdom from King Solomon... These are words of wisdom from a father to his children regarding their heart. And so Solomon wrote this to his own children in essence, saying, I'm going to write to you regarding your heart. He's writing this to the nation of Israel as their king, saying, I'm writing to you regarding your heart. But Solomon is inspired by God to write these words, and they are for us as well. Words of wisdom regarding our heart. So this is what we'll look at today. In the past, just by way of quick review, we've looked at wisdom regarding our words. If you remember, we've talked about this, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life. And, and we need God's wisdom on how to use our words. We've talked about this as well, that we've uh, looked at wisdom regarding adultery. How we have a desire for love and connection And sometimes we look for love in all the wrong places and talked about how Solomon said there's great danger in leaving a relationship with your spouse. Then we talked about a couple weeks ago, we looked at wisdom regarding selfishness and how many times we act selfishly, we live selfishly, and then the folly that that is. Last week we looked at the idea of wisdom regarding pride. And how God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And as we look at all of these issues, all of these issues are heart issues, aren't they? These are heart issues. We're going to look at another one today, but all of these things are heart issues. And this is why one of Solomon's themes in chapter 4, verse 23, I encourage you to memorize this. If you don't already have it memorized, meditate on it. One of my friends has this tattooed on his body, but Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. All of these things that we're talking about are heart issues, and you then are called to guard your heart above all things. The idea of what Solomon is saying in this is know what's going on in here. With your own inner being, your own inner person, know what's going on. Pay careful attention to it. Guard it. Check it. Know what's going on. Above all else, guard your heart. Let's talk a little bit about uh, who we are and some of the things we believe. We believe that a Christian is one who, first of all, in humility, acknowledges their sin says, Jesus, I need you to transform my life. And what happens is, is that God gives us a new heart. When Solomon's talking about guarding your heart, as a believer in Jesus, we say we now guard this thing that was given to us brand new by God. He took out this heart that was dead to him. He put in a heart that is alive to him. And we're called to guard that. Christianity is not just putting on a filter, especially on Sunday morning, just putting on this face saying, I'm okay, everything's good. We're saying, you know, I, I just got to be careful not to say certain words around certain people. I got to be careful not to do things. Christianity is not putting on a filter, but it's receiving this new heart from Jesus, saying, Jesus, I need a new heart. And so some of you did this at a very young age. You said, I, I know I have a, 
a dead heart against God. And I need a new one. And immediately when we say, Jesus, we understand that you, you paid for my price. You paid the price for my sin. I need your forgiveness. When you did that, you received a new heart. Well, Solomon is talking to us, saying, above all else, guard your heart. This gift that God has given to you. Because the reality is it can go wayward in so many ways. We've looked at some of these. Sometimes we sin with the wrong words. We, we gossip, we complain, we actually say vulgarity, whatever it might be. There are things that are coming out of our mouth that came from our heart. And a question I have for us to consider is this. Did that come from an unguarded heart or an unchanged heart? Did this come from an unguarded heart or an unchanged heart when I said certain words or certain type of speech? Now, if you're a believer in Jesus, you have a changed heart. You have this. Then where is this coming from? I probably wasn't guarding this heart very well. And out of this came garbage. Some of you today maybe need to reflect on this and say, you know what? I try to put on a filter so much, and I'm hoping that one day I can stand before God and say, aren't you proud of me with my filter? And he'll say, I just want you to know that that was just bad religion. That's all you had. That's not how you get right with me. My son on a cross did all the work to get you right with me. Did you believe in that? Did you trust in that? Because he desired to give you a new heart. Did you take that gift? So uh, is there an unguarded heart or an unchanged heart? Sometimes through life we have lustful thoughts. We desire connection with somebody. We desire love. Again, that question, is, is this coming from an unguarded heart or an unchanged heart? It's a question we have to ask ourselves. Do I have a changed heart by God? Is my problem then I just didn't guard it very well for a season? Or maybe I don't even have a new heart. I'm just playing a religious game. Today, God offers to you. He says, I want to change your heart. Sometimes we act selfishly. What's behind that? Is this because of an unguarded heart? Or is this because of an uh, unchanged heart? Sometimes we act proud. We were talking about pride last week. Where is this coming from? Was this from an unguarded heart or an unchanged heart? I would hope that you would leave today making sure, first of all, you knew that you had a changed heart through faith in Jesus Christ, first and foremost. And if you are in that position, then there's a lot of guarding we need to do of this heart. Now, in Proverbs chapter 23... Page 544, what I want to do is I want to look at what Solomon is saying to his sons, to the nation of Israel, really to us, and it has to do with the heart. As I was reading this, I remember reading this on April 23rd, so it was the 23rd of the month, I read the 23rd proverb, and as I read this, and I must have read this chapter many times in my life, but for some reason a couple months ago, there were some words that just stood out to me. And I want to share some of those with you today. Because as I read this, my heart went out for my son. My heart went out for my kids. My heart went out for me and for my wife. And my heart went out for you as I read these words. So let's start at verse 15. Verse 15. Follow along as I read this. Solomon says, My son, if your heart is wise... My heart, too, will be glad. My inmost being 
will exult when your lips speak what is right. In verse 16, he's really saying this. I want you to know that my internal organs, my guts will rejoice, is what he's saying, when your lips speak what is right. So verse 17, let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all of the day. Fear of the Lord, we'll come back to that. We've been talking about that for the last month. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Verse 18, surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. Hear, my son, and be wise and direct your heart in the way. Direct your heart in the way. Some of your Bibles might say this, keep your heart on the right course. Verse 20, be not among drunkards. Or among gluttonous eaters of meat. And then I realized we gave out big old steaks. I think you can eat it. Just don't do that every day constantly. Okay. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty. And slumber will clothe them in rags. Listen to your father who gave you life. Do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy or purchase truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction and understanding The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. As I look at that, I think, oh, how as a parent I want my kid's heart to stay on the right path. Do you know what I'm talking about? Parents, can you agree with me? This is what we want, right? We want our kids' hearts to stay on the right path. And as I'm thinking about that as a parent, then I'm thinking, wait, the Heavenly Father is looking at me and looking at us and saying, I want my kids' hearts to stay on the right path. You hear the heart of God in that? So much so that God says, I want my kids' hearts to stay on the right path, that I will take out their heart of stone. I will give them a a heart that is full of life now and for all eternity. So he loved us so much that he says, you know what, here's how I'm going to save them. They can't save themselves by doing good deeds. I will have my perfect son pay for them. I want you to know the Heavenly Father cares so much about your heart that he gave the very best. So when I look at verse 17, and the Father is talking about the heart, he says, let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all of the day. And I'd like to focus on that one verse today as we uh, have some time together. Just this one verse most specifically, verse 17. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Solomon, in essence, warns us to guard our heart, and especially from envy. We've talked about pride. We've talked about adultery. We've talked about selfishness. But here he's saying, I want you to guard your heart specifically and especially from envy. Envy. Well, let's talk about what envy is a little bit. One, it's a desire to have what belongs to another. Envy is this desire to have what belongs to another. Or another way to look at this is a feeling of discontent and resentment. One quote I read said this, Envy is the art of counting the other fellow's blessing instead of your own. 
looking around, even a room like this, and saying, I like what you have, and I like your blessing, and I like what you've been blessed with, and I like your blessing, while ignoring the blessings of our, that we've received. That's envy. Story is told of a young girl, and this story could probably be told in, uh, of a lot of little kids, but one day this young girl lost a tooth. Practice that her family was, put the tooth under the pillow, wake up the next morning and the tooth fairy hopefully shows up. The tooth fairy did show up while she was sleeping. She woke up to a dollar bill. She runs out, rejoices, tells her family, look what the tooth fairy brought me, one dollar bill. She's so excited. She goes to school that day and tells her classmates, guess what? Lost a tooth last night. The tooth fairy came. I got a one dollar bill. She's so excited. One of her classmates goes, no way. I lost a tooth last night too. And I put it under my pillow. And the tooth fairy came to my house. And I got five dollars. Now just put yourself in the shoes of the girl that got the one dollar. She's like, wait a second. She went home and said to dad, she says, dad, I, I, I got this one dollar. That was cool. But my friend got five dollars. And the dad's now stuck, like, uh, how do you give advice in this situation? Before he could say anything, she said this. It was great. I had to write this down. She goes, Dad, is there any way we can look into switching to her tooth fairy? <laughs> is there any way we can upgrade our plan, maybe, or whatever it is? Could you go on the internet and find out what tooth fairy that is? I started thinking about that and I thought, you know, there might be some up or, or some wisdom in upgrading at times, right? But, but how much of this might be envy as well? That I liked my dollar until I saw that someone had five. And all of a sudden my one dollar doesn't look so good anymore. Well, envy... We know this. It can be seen in materialism. Maybe you've already started processing in your own mind things that you might envy. Desire someone else's wealth. Desire someone else's possessions. Desire someone else's toys. And this is especially bad with technology nowadays, isn't it? You go down to Costco. You get the latest and greatest thing. By the time you plug it in, you find out that Costco now has a new model. All right, And your friend somehow got that. And there starts to be envy. Yeah, you're laughing because you, you're like, I've been there, right? Then sometimes we have envy based on appearances of others. Look at other people and say, I wish I was more like that. I wish my body type was more of this. Sometimes we do this with relationships, don't we? I wish that my spouse was a little more like that person. And we start envying. We start being discontent with what we have. And we start saying, wait, they got the better model. Whatever the case might be, you might be looking and saying, I wish I had that person's life. My life is riddled with pain and hurt and health issues. And that person never seems to have those issues. And what happens is when we see someone's blessings, or sometimes when they show it to us, thanks a lot, you know, hey, look what I got. But when we see someone else's blessings or when they show it to us, isn't there a great temptation to envy? Great temptation to envy, but I'd like to say, what if it's also an opportunity for our faith to grow? 
There's a temptation for you to envy when you see someone else's blessings. But what if when you see someone else's blessings, it's an opportunity for your faith in God to grow? Let's go back to verse 17. Would you look at this again? So Solomon says, let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. I want to show you a passage that became uh, one of, it was just, it meant the most to me late in high school, early in college. It was in Psalm 73. I'm going to put a couple of those verses up here. It says this, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had almost lost my foothold when I saw and envied the arrogant. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I looked around and I said, they have no struggles. I must have been feeling that a lot in high school or early college, just looking out, whether it was the sinners or even people that were followers of Jesus, whatever it was, I looked out and I envied them. And this kind of became, God, I know that you are good, but as for me, it feels like I'm slipping because I'm envying a lot. And I look back at Proverbs here, verse 20, if you look at this, and I think Solomon's writing this because he says, my son, I know that you're going to have envy issues. I know that you're going to envy a certain crowd. You may envy the godless that feel like, hey, I have no rules, no boundaries. I can do whatever I want with my life because it's my life. Don't envy them. Verse 20. Solomon says, so be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. I know it looks like they're having a party. I know it looks like they're always having fun. I want you to know for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty. And slumber will clothe them with rags. Solomon's saying, be careful. Be careful of what you see. Be careful not to envy Would you write this passage down? Proverbs chapter 14 verse 30. Solomon at another time says this, a heart at peace. Gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Envy rots the bones. I started thinking about this. I thought, I don't want this for me. I don't want this for you. Whether this is literally or figuratively, I don't want any bones rotting. That just does not look like a good thing. And yet, Solomon says, if you envy, if that's where your heart is going, it's going to bring rot to your life. You see, there's this temptation for you to envy, to say, I want this, and I want this, and I want this. I I want what that person has. But I believe it's also a great opportunity for our faith in God to grow. So what happens when we envy? We get discontent with what we have. I start missing out on my blessing. I start seeing everybody else's blessing. Then I start being resentful, okay? resentful. I don't even like that person anymore because they have all the nice things. You see this path that it leads down? It's not a good path. I started thinking about this then. Where does this go? Who would you be resentful at? Let's take the little girl who lost a tooth. She gets her one dollar. She's happy in the morning. She goes to school. She's not as happy when she sees another girl with five. Where does that discontent go? 
goes to resentment after a while. Then after a while, she's kind of mad. She's mad at this girl a little bit, especially if this girl flaunts it a little bit, but she starts getting mad. But ultimately, who is she most mad at? The girl with the $1 bill. Who is she most upset with? The giver, right? The tooth fairy? Tooth fairy? Getting cheap on me? What's up? started thinking that with you and me we start getting discontent as we look around us and then we start to resent certain people but but where does our resentment where does our anger our frustration where where does that really go to doesn't it go to the giver I you got this possession and you got this body type and you got this relationship and before long if we're not careful we're really not mad at that person we're really mad at who the giver god himself let me ask you a couple questions are you discontent and envious of wealth possessions toys technology of another person just let your heart reflect for a bit where you've been this last week for a season get envious of what someone has or who they are you ever get discontent in someone else's appearances someone else's relationship someone's lack of health struggles that you've had to go through then my questions are well where could that lead you where could that lead you if you continue to give in to this temptation to envy what if you start to resent that person and ultimately you start to resent the giver of what you have which is God himself so I was thinking about this I thought you know what I want to share some antidotes for envy because there is this great temptation but I believe it's an opportunity for us to grow in faith So I want to give some antidotes in this. Verse 17, look at that again if you would. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all of the day. Fear of the Lord. So let's talk about the fear of the Lord and the antidotes for envy. What if we did this when we start to envy? As we're battling with that now. I wish I had this, this, and this. What if we did this? My first thought, consider my issue with God. Because maybe what you really have is an issue with God. Maybe as you're doing this, you're saying, you know what? You got the $5, I got the one. I'm kind of envious and I want that. But when it comes down to it, I'm bent out of shape about my tooth fairy. I'm bent out of shape about my provider. I'm bent out of shape about God. What if we considered my issue with God? I think when we envy, you have an issue sometimes. If you let it go down a certain road, you have an issue with God. That he hasn't given you what you want. I know I do this. God, how, how come? Well, I'm, I'm saying, God, how come? This is, a, this is a God question. I really have an issue with you, God. And when we consider who God is... I believe this starts to break down the envy. When we start to understand that, wait a second, in the fear of the Lord, in reverence to God, in respect to God, understanding who God is, understanding who I am, 
who am I getting upset with? I, I, I'm pretty frustrated with the one who gives and the one who takes away. He has the right, doesn't he? Consider your issue with God, especially in light of the fear of the Lord. The one that is God, the one is, that is to be revered. And I want you to know God can handle that conversation, okay? God can handle that. God, how come I'm constantly sick? Let him hear it. I wish I was healthy like that person. Let him hear it. God, I, I wish I was... And as we do this, as you consider your issue with God, I have a feeling that what God's going to do is he's going to cause you to confess. Confess my sin to God. He'll start to open your eyes to your selfishness and your ungratefulness. And when we confess, I, I believe that breaks away envy all the more. I start saying things like this, God, I am sorry that I'm not grateful. Give thanks in all circumstances. That was your command. I'm not grateful for my one dollar. God, I confess. God, I'm sorry that I want more and more and more and more. God, I'm greedy, aren't I? God, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm not satisfied with what you have said. That's yours. God, I, I'm a mess. And here's the cool thing. We know this about our God. Our God is what? Compassionate. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. And when we confess, he doesn't say, yeah, get it right. He says, you know what? I love you. And I'm glad that you got that off your chest. And I'm glad that you've acknowledged your sin, your selfishness, whatever it is, your hoarding, whatever it is. I'm glad you've acknowledged this. Let me now comfort you in this. In the fear of the Lord. And what God's going to do is as we confess, God's going to re-engage relationship with us. And we struggle with this. We, okay, God, I just need to tell you this is why I'm bent out of shape. Oh, wait, God, this is why I'm bent out of shape. These are my issues. And he says, come back. I love you. We're good. As I'm thinking about this, then one more antidote for envy is this, to celebrate God's blessing to me and to others. To actually celebrate. To celebrate. Get it off my chest. God, I'm frustrated. I don't have what that person has. I confess my sin as I understand that. Then he says, celebrate. Celebrate. Start to give thanks for what you have. Start there. Remember this, I told you just a moment ago, this passage, Psalm 73, late in high school, early in college, I, I find out about this, and it was, God, I envied the arrogant, they have no struggles. The writer of that Psalms is kind of complaining. Then he says this, let's look at this. He says this, Psalm 73. Can we get that up there? Psalm 73. There we go. Whom have I in heaven but you? And nothing I desire compares to you. I think it took this psalmist a while. Saying, here's where I am. I'm an envious person. And I got issues with this. And I'm kind of complaining to you, God. But as he spends time with the Lord, he says, you know what? Here's what I can be thankful for. Whom have I in heaven but you? I got you. I got, 
the God of the universe is my heavenly Father. And in fact, as I look out, there's nothing that I desire that compares to you. You're actually the best thing in my life. It's a process. Do you see that? Start celebrating in what we do have. I think it also implies, though, giving thanks to God that he is good to others. And this one's difficult. As I start saying, you know what, God, you have been good to me. I'm going to give thanks in that. I'm going to start giving thanks to you that you're good to other people. Write this one down if you would. This is a challenging verse. Romans chapter 12, verse 15, simply says this. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Rejoice with... That's difficult. Because it's pretty easy. The temptation is there for us to envy when they rejoice. I want what they have. The command is rejoice with those who rejoice. What's going to happen as we do this is we're going to grow in wisdom. And we're going to grow in faith to be able to see someone else's success and say, I'm actually happy for you. It's tough to say that because the natural tendency, the temptation is like, I want what you have. But to be able to go there is an act of faith that honors the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm going to first thank you for what I have, that I will be able to say, I'm going to rejoice with what you have. And as you do this, your faith will grow. As you do this, you will grow in wisdom. But all this is a heart issue, isn't it? Here's what I know, that as we leave from here today, we will constantly be bombarded with this temptation to envy. It's going to happen before the day's over. You're going to be tempted to envy. Would you consider that you have an issue with God when it starts to go bad? Would you confess that to God? And would you start to celebrate what you have and even what others have? This is a heart issue. So let me share a prayer with you that I'd like you to pray. Maybe throughout this week simply this. Father, teach me to guard my heart. Teach me to guard my heart for it's the wellspring of the life that you have given There's an attack on your heart. doesn't matter who you are. There's an attack on your heart. But it's an all, also an opportunity for you to grow your faith. And if we prayed more and more, God, teach me to guard my heart. When I go down the envy road, help me to confess that. Help me to be grateful for what you've given to me. Help me then to even rejoice in what you've given to somebody else. But it takes guarding our hearts. Father, teach me to guard my heart. Here's how I'd like to end today. I'd like to have all the dads, frankly, every single man here, come up here. I just want to pray over you real quickly. Would you come up here, men? Every man, please. I want to pray for your heart. Just come up here, please. As we look around the room and just see all these guys, there is a battle for every single one of our hearts, every single man's heart. Face me, if you would, please, gentlemen. And I want you to get close enough that you can put your hand on another brother's shoulder. Would you do that? Let's...
my brothers, this is cool seeing you all up here. Here's what I know about all of us. There's a battle going on for each of our hearts. Okay? And there's a temptation for every single one of us. It's me and it's you to leave here today and for the rest of our life to have this temptation of envy. To want the guy, what the guy has next to you, the guy that you work with, whatever that might be. But it's also an opportunity for your faith to grow. And I want you to pray, and I'm going to pray this over you, but that you would pray this too. Father, teach me to guard my heart. You guard your heart. A couple of us were praying even before services this morning, and one of the prayers was, God, if somebody doesn't even have a changed heart, would this be the day? And maybe you're amongst this crowd and you're saying, you know what? I don't even have a changed heart. I need that first. I'm, I'm going to ask that you simply, in humility, say to God, God, I need a new heart. And I need you to guard it. I need me to guard it. I need my brothers to help me guard it. Let's just all pray. Let's bow our heads. Man, I, I specifically want to pray for you first. God, as I, I look at my brothers right here, just realize that the value you have placed on these men's life in their homes, in their workplaces, in our church family, in this community. And yet I know that there's an enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything that's good. And so, Father, first of all, would you... Cause every man to see that they need a changed heart by you. Even if it's right now that they would say, Jesus, I need you to change my heart. And we thank you that you do. And God, I ask that you help every man to guard his heart here. We need your help in this, but we, we need to see the seriousness of our heart and the temptation where we can go. So God, would you bless my brothers, help us to guard our heart for your glory, for the sake of our families, for the sake of this church, for the sake of this community and this world. Help us to guard our heart that you would be honored and glorified, especially on this Father's Day, that you as our Father would receive praise from your sons saying, we need you. Father, help us to guard our heart. And I pray this for all the women here as well. Know that they face the same battles. God, would you help them to guard their heart as well for the sake of your name and their families and our community. And so we thank you that you love us so much that you gave the very best and that you are with us. You give us brothers to do this. You give us your word, your spirit to guard our hearts. Help us for your glory. For the sake of others, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.